Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Drink, Play, Score podcast. First of all, we want to thank everyone for all the positive feedback and subscribing to us on multiple platforms. In today's episode, we'll recap Wildcard Weekend, the games this upcoming weekend, and everything in between. Tonight, we have our full cast. Of course, I'm Drew, accompanied by Richard and Carlos. Hey, everybody. I'm Carlos Rodriguez. Unfortunately, I was not able to make it for the first episode. Um, I am the third member of Drink, Play, Score. I'm a huge gaming enthusiast. Uh, love playing some Fortnite with Drew and Richard and with some other friends. Uh, and I'm a huge Celtics fan. So seeing them do well this year without Kyrie is a great thing for me. And we'll get into that in further episodes. Um, but now we're just going to jump right in and talk about the picks that Drew and Richard made last week for Wildcard Weekend. Um, so Drew, Richard, either one of you want to start out by talking about the what I think is the big shocker, uh, the Pats and Titans game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty crazy wildcard weekend. I, I don't think that was the only shocking game. I'm sure Drew mm-hmm. <laughs> Drew will agree with that. Um, and I know he'll have a lot to say about that. But we can jump right in. Uh, let's start with uh, the first game, the Bills, the Bills-Houston game. What do you guys think about that one? That was uh, honestly a pretty shockingly close game to me. What, uh, overtime? Uh, so what was really shocking to me was how slow that Houston wanted to start off that game. Uh, I mean, you're down 16 to nothing. It just almost like nothing happened. Um, that was surprised to me. Uh, that ref in the end zone on the kickoff, when the guy basically gave himself up and was tossing the ball and backed away, and they called it a touchdown for some strange reason. For the Bills, that was absolutely bizarre. Yeah, never seen anything like that. Yeah, it's pretty wild of a game. Um, I'm actually surprised to see that Josh Allen was the leading rusher and passer from that game, which is really surprising. Uh, seeing how Deshaun Watson is like uh, he's a big, has a big arm and can make some big plays, and Josh Allen isn't really known for his throwing ability. No, he makes plays with his feet. Absolutely. That's why I really we- think that was. I think that was Buffalo's game to lose. They they were up 16-zip at one point, and they just let that game get away from them. They had every opportunity to seal that game. And I ultimately think their lack of ability to really run the ball effectively and control the pace of the game at the end in the second half was the reason they lost. They should have They should have been able to hold off that Houston team. I agree, but the, the one thing that I, I – the main thing that I take away sometimes from watching Houston – is Deshaun Watson just creating undesigned plays. I mean, there's a handful, maybe, of quarterbacks in the league that could have made some of those plays this weekend that Deshaun Watson made. I mean, that one in overtime where he got drilled by two guys at one time, stayed on his feet and hit that guy to run down the field. I mean, that was incredible. Absolutely. He's at, he's he's the sole reason they won that game. It's it's almost as I like mean, Hopkins- um, the – the hits that Deshaun took on that play that you're talking about, Drew, it's almost as if it was kind of a pinball effect. So the one guy hit him into the other guy that kind of stood him up. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's very yeah. strange. Uh, yeah, right. But think about a Drew Brees or Tom Brady or guys like that. They're they're not staying on their feet for something like that. They're getting probably no just wrecked. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I mean, going forward, this offense for Houston, I just – I don't see how they could even – compete if they play like that compete with Kansas City or Baltimore I mean 
Hopkins had – he didn't have a catch or any yards at halftime, right? Yeah. Yeah, Josh Allen had more uh, catches and receiving yards than him at halftime. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. he ended up having a pretty decent game. He had a big second half for them, and I, I, they they can't do that against Baltimore. And, and especially Baltimore, if you get behind 16, uh, 16-0 against Baltimore, they're going to just run the ball down your throat and control the tempo of that game and dominate time of possession. I I don't foresee them being able to overcome that. It's true. That's why I wrote down to the, the slow start for them. They can't. They need to – and we've seen it this year. They're, that offense can be pretty explosive if Hyde's running well and, you know, D-Hop's playing. Yeah, so what, do you guys, why do you guys think that they went away from the run so early? Do you think it was because of the way that Buffalo was playing and, and actually uh, kind of, I would say, dominating the, the early part of the game? Uh, do you think they just thought, we can't, we can't run the ball against them, we have to start throwing the ball? I don't know because Duke Johnson in the beginning of the game looked like he looked pretty well. And then Carlos Hyde actually ran the ball pretty effectively as well, too. I just don't think that they particularly want to keep it on the ground. Um, I don't know. I think it was just Buffalo got out to that early lead and Buffalo looked like they had a real chance to run away with that game. And I think they just put the ball in the quarterback's hand. They said – this is essentially the MVP of our team. We're going we're gonna to make him make plays. And, you know, down the stretch he did that. He wasn't doing it early game. But I, I, in, that, in my opinion, that's it. I didn't think they wanted to put the game in there in Carlos Hyde's hands or Johnson's hands. It wasn't – I mean, they've been – Carlos Hyde had a good year, but he, he's not the guy who's going to go out, you go out there and get you a W. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Josh Allen leading the game in passing yards and rushing yards is just a pretty crazy stat. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but, yeah, so we'll move on to the second game. Um, definitely, like you were saying, it, it was a shocker for me. Uh, I picked the Pats, as you know, and Richard picked Tennessee, which you would have thought, in retrospect, it would be reverse. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Derrick Henry, there's really nothing more you can say. 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown, and a catch for 22. Yeah, so it's it's it was very strange to see, um, not the game plan from the Titans, because I, I did expect them to kind of run the ball down the Pats' throat. Uh, our, our run defense hasn't been the greatest all year, so I wasn't expecting a, a Tannehill to do a lot especially in Foxborough where it's kind of a hostile environment and you can't really hear uh, during the passing offense. Um, so I was expecting Derrick Henry to have a good game, but not a game like this. This was Listen, above and beyond. I, I expected Derrick Henry to have a good game, but if you had told I me before Derrick the game Henry that Ryan Tannehill was going to throw for 72 yards and they were going to beat the Patriots, one one I would have told you you're out of your mind. Yeah, I agree. It was it's it's just ridiculous to think that, you know, your quarterback can throw for under a hundred yards <laughs> in New England and you're gonna win the Well game. the crazy the the wild part is is I mean, he had like a twenty two yard reception to Henry too. So really he I think he only had fifty fifty passing yards to wide receivers. Wow. That's is, that's an insane stat. <laughs> it, insane and I I you know 
um, Drew, you know, Drew picked the Titans. I mean, the Patriots going in this game. And I did, you know, diehard Patriots fan, but I, I did not pick the Patriots going into this into this game. Watching their run defense all year, they've been they've been carved up on the uh, right right up the middle there, and that's what Derrick Henry did. It honestly looked like a Pop Warner defense going up against Shaquille O'Neal. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, am I wrong, though? No, no, it's, it's a great not. reference. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like Henry was going ten yards a clip every time he touched the ball. It did. And you couldn't stop it. We couldn't stop it. They. I don't know the time of possession numbers, but I, I would actually be interested in knowing that they definitely dominated. And you know, like I said last week, um, it'd be hard to say that Tom Brady's not going to have a chance to tie the game and then not do it. And he didn't. He threw that pick to Logan Ryan there to seal the deal, which is yeah, not the way that I'm sure Tom Brady wanted his potentially game in Foxborough to be. So it's, uh, I don't foresee him leaving after that, but. So touching on the point of time possession, uh, it's actually pretty even. So the Titans had the ball for 31 minutes, uh, and the Patriots had it for 28. Oh, wow. Which is a shocking stat. That is a shocking stat. That's crazy. I mean, you look at it in years past. I mean, if you have pretty much of a split even time against the Patriots, you're going to lose that game. Yes. Uh, They're just not the same team right now. Brady's not playing. Like I said last week, he's not playing Brady football. And this team moves how Brady moves. Offensively, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the, so one of the turning points, I believe, in the game was, uh, was the goal line stand uh, for the Titans, which yep. held us to a field goal. Yep. Um, and I was actually very surprised that we ran the ball three straight times with our running backs, seeing as Two how ineffective been. our running backs have been all year. And you're on the one-yard line, and we know that Brady – can get a one-yard QB sneak, and you didn't even attempt it. It's, that was very shocking. It's just bread and butter. That's how Brady's done his whole career. Yeah. But he they've had so him. much success on that goal line stand. Look, every year you see the Patriots always punch those in. I'm not surprised that they were in three times on the goal line. Like, it, it, do you think Without, people would have gave Seattle crap if Marshawn Lynch ran it three times on the goal line and got stuffed? <laughs> no, you know no, what I mean? No. Like, it, it, when you throw for it on the one, the people who are announcing are calling for your head because you, you threw the ball on the one. They You, you should run the ball. Your it's offensive the, I, line has, has to create some push. I agree. I mean, we don't have that big wide receiver who's going to go up and and catch a jump ball in the corner of the end zone, obviously. Our, yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, you know, if we had Gronk, that's a different, it's a different yeah. scenario. Maybe they throw one and run it two times. But, I mean – the way Sonny's been this year, too, it's just hard to say why you're giving the ball to Sonny. I mean, he went 14 for 61 yards. Yeah. And that's probably – that's. I mean, I'd honestly consider that a good game for him this year. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> that's a compliment. <laughs> right, it's... Yeah, I, I think they should have ran the ball as well, but I'm, I still think that, that that Brady QB sneak would have been the prime third down play to go for it right there. No, absolutely. I mean – Wow, this is – I just, just learned this. Dude, the Patriots' leading receiver was James White. No, I believe that to <laughs> I, anything you want me to say. I know. Yeah. He, he's obviously pass-catching pass back, but you can't expect to win football games when your leading receiver is five receptions for 62. Yeah. I mean, they, they need a lot of work. Oh, yeah. 
Another important stat is uh, so a lot of the a lot of the um, the discussion around the the Patriots wide receiver core was you know when is Brady going to start trusting the young guys right when is he going to start actually throwing the ball to Nikhil Harry things like that yep. and in this in this game he had seven targets and only two catches so it's not yeah. like he was only throwing it to you know his main guys he was. Just he was spreading the ball around, and just nobody was making plays for him. So no, I mean it, it's hard I'm, to absolutely. A, I mean, yeah, you could say. I mean, with that Edelman drop, which I mean, looking like Wes Welker out huge. there in the Super Bowl, but I mean, it was huge drop, inexcusable. It, it was. I mean, you don't see that very often from from Edelman, and it was pretty shocking to see that, and and that was really a pivotal point in the game. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So with the Titans moving on, uh, do we see the Titans being a threat to um, to Baltimore, going up to Baltimore? Uh, it's, it's tough because it's both of these teams like to run a similar style of offense. They both want to control the clock. They both want to run the ball down your throat. And then they both want to set up the play action from doing both of those things. So for me, do I think Tennessee has a shot? I, I think that they have to have another game from Derrick Henry like he just had, and Tannehill's got to throw more than for more than 72 yards. Mm-hmm. Like I, he, he was the best quarterback this year at play action for yards per pass. So he, he's got to exploit them a little bit on that back end if they want a shot to beat the Ravens. But I, I still think the Ravens win this game. I agree. I don't, I don't think – it's out of the realm of possibility. Like you said, I think Henry needs to have another monster game. Um, and you're not going to beat that, that Baltimore team with 70, 70 something passing yards from your quarterback. It's just not going to happen. Um, the one, the one thing that I think that the Titans really have an advantage is if Henry is able to run that ball and keep the ball out of Lamar's hands, they, they can hang into the game till the end. And you know, I think Vrabel <laughs> clearly showed against Patriots with that, with that uh, delay game situation there, he's, he's a pretty smart coach. <laughs> so. and, but if it comes down to a kick, I mean, the Ravens have the best kicker left in football. Uh, Titans have a good yeah. kicker themselves. Yeah, but he's not Justin Tucker. Right. Yeah. Justin Tucker is we'll get, arguably one, one we'll of get the best. To that, we'll get to that a little bit later when we do our picks for the divisional round, though. Right. For sure. So, so I think, we um, should jump over to NFC, right? I know. We should oh. just skip right past it. Drew, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to you take it away on the Saints game? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it away. Um, pick the Saints here in this game. Um, like I said in last week's podcast, though, I said I was nervous. I said that everybody thought that this game was going to be an absolute blowout. Um, and I picked a three-point win for the Saints. Um, Drew Brees didn't play Drew Brees football, just like I was saying about Tom Brady. He made a horrible mistake that he, he didn't make all year throwing that ball deep at the end of the half. Uh, oh, I mean, bad. this team had – this team had eight turnovers the whole entire season, setting an NFL record, and they have two in the most important game of their year. Um, I mean, I think that Dalvin Cook had a great game. They still kept them under 100 yards, though. I mean, so you can't say that Dalvin Cook 100% won them this game. I mean, he had 28 carries for 94 yards. That's averaging – no, yeah, for and that's averaging 3.4 yards a carry. Yeah. I, I, mean, that, I mean, that's not – a bad showing by their defense letting Adam Thielen uh, do his thing and go seven for 129 hurts though. 
Yeah, but I mean, you guys pretty much shut down Diggs. I mean, one of them has to do something. I mean, it was, it's such a good tandem. It's it's going to be hard to lock them both down, especially when they're both healthy. Yeah, Diggs had like two for 14. Yeah, he, he didn't have a catch at half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the next top receiver for for the Vikings was in in terms of yardage was Dalvin Cook with thirty six. So it's yeah. not like it's not like the Saints were just you know getting run out of the gym or the stadium. Uh, it they were playing good defense. It just it didn't it didn't come to fruition for some reason. I mean, no, I knew it. I, I, you go, Drew. I was I knew it. I said it. I said it multiple times. I was nervous all week for this game. I mean. I don't like the fans. They're going to say, oh, that was Kyle Rudolph pushing off in the back of the end zone to lose that game in overtime. I mean, it was, well, but we that's, that's, that's great. But you're not you, – after these last couple of years, you can't leave the game in the ref's hands. You can't leave the game in the last play of the game's hands. You have to win these football games before before that. I mean, absolutely. Lutz missed that field goal at the end of the half. If he makes that, the Saints win. Yep. In reality, if Lutz hits his field goal at the end of the game, there. I mean, you're still talking a 23 point win for this New Orleans Saints team who was averaging close to 40 points a game. The last mean, 10, yeah. Your offense stalled out. And if Taysom if, Hill I was literally shines, that's, and that's about if, it. If I were to told you, I mean, the Saints are going to have to play again, and their leading rusher is going to be their third string quarterback, no one, no one would believe me. Taysom Hill had four carries for 50 yards. Kamara had seven for 21. Yes. And then Latavius had four points to a clip. Pretty good. So that's kind of the guy that I want to talk about is uh, what do we we think about Alvin Kamara? Do we think he's hurt or do we think that he's being utilized incorrectly? Because, I mean, last year it seemed like AK was just unstoppable. And I then, think, like now, it's just it seems like he's getting he's he's running the ball and only getting you know three yard gains or, or so. And then even in even in the passing game, it doesn't seem like he's getting those chunk plays that we're typically used to seeing from Alvin Kamara. So, do you think it's a a combination of the game plan, or are they really missing out on uh, Mark Ingram leaving? I think Alvin Kamara was a little hurt this year. I mean, he he missed some time. I don't think he was 100%, but no one's 100% playoff football. And for who I argued with Drew, and I even believe you, Carlos, going into the season, I thought Alvin Kamara was going to be easily the best running back in football, and I was convinced of it. I think I thought he was the best two-way back in football. And mm-hmm. for him to go 7-21 seven, seven for 21 and one of the you know the biggest game of the year is just inexcusable. I think, I think he's hurt. And I think he does suffer from not having Ingram there. I mean, having Ingram, that power back, who's really going to, you know, run it up the middle and hammer and wear down that defense. And then Kamara comes in, you know, and, and just explodes and has those huge plays. I think I think he's missing from that. Listen, Kamara was definitely a little banged up. But that that's not the tale of his season. I mean, you guys don't watch the Saints like I do. Alvin Kamara just didn't look like he was interested this year. Like, it looked all offseason like he was training, getting ready for to have this just explosive another breakout year. But every week on the field, it seemed like he would catch the ball, he'd go out of bounds. He'd run the ball, he wasn't fighting for extra yards. It just didn't seem like he was having that fight like he had last year. Like, he, he just, I don't know, he just didn't seem like he had that fire this year. So I think that played a big part in it. But he definitely was banged up. 
And I look at what the Saints did when he was out. Latavius played great. He went over 100 yards on the ground both games. It's true. Yeah. He did. He looked good. Very true. So, I mean. Uh, I, I think that's just overall a brutal loss for the Saints. And I know you think that, you know, the Saints team is done. They're not going to be able to recover from this. And a lot. It's a, it's a tough loss. Three years in a row, three bad losses in the playoffs. It's going to be very hard to recover. And I, I really think, I mean, last year's loss was terrible. But I would almost argue that this loss was worse just because of the caliber of this team. I know this Saints team was so good and just they did not show up. They did not show up. It's true. I do think that they're going to be a little bit dismantled next year. And the one thing as an athlete. You go through a couple of years of losing in the playoffs, the three years that they did, the Minnesota Miracle, and then the no call, and then something like this. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If any point in time, a little bit of doubt creeps into your mind during a playoff game, you're out of the game. The other team can take advantage of it. That's a good point. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. I just – I didn't foresee, like we said, you know, we're just going over our picks last week, and I, I went, I went, and I said I didn't think this game was even going to be close. I argued that it would be a two touchdown victory for the Saints, and yeah, it wasn't yeah. even close. And then that pushes us to the the last slate of games there, um, Philly and Seattle, which was really a good. It was honestly a really good game to watch. I said it would be too. You did, and I actually said it was going to be a blowout. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for DK Metcalf going, what, like seven for 160 or something crazy? Yeah, yeah seven DK. for 160 and a touchdown. That is – that kid had a game. The best I, game of his career and the biggest game of his career. I love DK. Drew, remember remember oh. when we were watching the draft and, and we were just talking about, you know, receivers that our team should take and all DK I kept saying was, at the was top DK, for both of us. DK Metcalf, DK what? Metcalf, DK Metcalf. This guy is just—he's—he's he's an unbelievable, unbelievable athlete. He knows how to use his body to create space, and I think that's really important in this NFL because uh, the the refs are going to be looking for the the long extended arms. You know what I mean? They're yep. you're you're not going to be able to to get a lot of separation, especially with some of the best corners in the league. So you're going to need to be stronger than them and faster. And he's both of those things. He's he's just a freak athlete and it's 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 amazing to see what he can do with uh russell wilson and it's just it's i think it's it's just a shame that i can't see him you know in new orleans or or with tom brady yeah i mean i wish that that happened it's incredible (laughs) that that man flipped into the second round i mean at one time he was talking about being a potentially top 10 draft pick and the number one receiver coming out of the draft yeah yeah but as you can see neck injuries are really just no joke. I mean, there's so many guys in this league that end up not being able to play anymore because of a neck injury. And DK, with that in college, coming into the NFL, such a big guy. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's worrisome for sure, but I mean, good for him. He said that him being taken in the second round comes him playing in games every week with a chip on his shoulder, which yeah, you know, he you was... hear that every year about a breakout guy, but it's good for him. I mean, he definitely wasn't a second-round talent, but, you know, just that injury led him there. Um, absolutely 
I would say he's MVP of the uh, – he's probably the MVP for the Seahawks in my opinion. But, I mean, Wilson, again, getting it done, 18 for 325 yards and a touchdown. I mean, great numbers still. Against, like, Wendy's fry cooks, dudes. I mean, their, their secondary <laughs> was not like NFL caliber. They were so banged up this year. It was It was tough. For my brother-in-law to be an Eagles fan, man, it was tough to watch him every single week having another key guy go down. And talk about a warrior in Zacherts playing with broken ribs and a lacerated kidney. That's a guy you want on your team. No, absolutely. And I think I – mean, I, honestly, I really think if um, – you know, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of crap for, you know, being hurt all the time. And, you know, he did, he's gotten a lot of crap this year. I think he's literally just a fry cook's – to the playoffs and practice yeah. squad to the playoffs. And, you know, it, it really sucks that he he takes, uh, you could argue, a cheap shot to the back of the head as he's going down, um, you know, concussion forced out of the game against his will. I mean, that just sucks. You, if you're an Eagle, you see, you know, finally Carson Wentz was healthy all year. And then, like, the second drive, done. Yeah. I think I, that's I a think play that's to a... the whole team. I agree, yeah. I think the so the point you make about the the hit to the back of you know, Carson's head and you know forcing his head into the ground causing that concussion, I think that that play in particular is kind of the reason why so many people are concerned about Carson Wentz and and will he be able to stay healthy, you know, for the foreseeable future because he is that type of player, you know. Whenever we see quarterbacks, you know, going for runs, you can see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, the non-mobile quarterbacks, really, uh, they all slide feet first, right? So it's just ingrained in Carson to always give that 110% effort. And sometimes that comes back to bite you. So I, I'm kind of curious to see how going forward, if he can kind of change that mentality where he doesn't have to be the hero forever uh, and, on, and on every play, um, but they definitely have to get him some help. I mean, this guy was throwing to... You know, guys, the guys, the guys, me and you, me and you. <laughs> the guys and from you. the yeah. they had at one point four of their starters that ended up going out with that went to the IR, Jeffrey, um, and all of them, Deshaun. They had four guys that ended up taking over Boston Scott, um, Greg Ward. These guys, all four of them, none of them were on a roster at the beginning of the year. I- Mm-hmm. Well, one of their one of their wide receivers who came up big against the Giants a few weeks ago, there wasn't even on a roster on Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> that is not even a practice squad. He was like just working at Walmart. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, um, Carlos, you said a really good thing, and I know um, me and Drew have actually had this conversation a lot when we've talked about Lamar Jackson and his success this year. Yeah. Is, um, you know, these mobile quarterbacks. They are not built to last in the NFL. They're really great flashers in the pan, but very, very, very few have long-term NFL success. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even even if you look at Russell Wilson, who, you know, when he first came into the NFL, you would argue that he was a very mobile quarterback. He still is, but he, he tried, he's more of a pocket passer now than anything. And he knows that if he wants to have long-term success in the league, that you just can't be running around being the hero all the time. I think that was a really good point. And I just don't know that Carson Wentz will ever – I think he's always going to have something to prove, you know, ever since uh, Big Dick Nick came in and, you know, stole his thunder there. I think he's always going to have something to prove and always going to be 
trying to be that guy, and it's just going to lead to injuries. You know, we said yeah. that too about Russell Wilson still being a rushing quarterback. I mean, he still had nine carries for forty-five games in this in this game that literally led Seattle in rushing. I mean, Absolutely. it was such he, a big did... thing. Oh, they picked up uh, Marshawn Lynch again. Like this man didn't even rush for forty-five yards against this Eagle defense. Oh, he looks bad. He looks like he's on a strictly cheeseburger, French fry, and milkshake <laughs> diet. He was over with the uh, the Philadelphia receivers <laughs> over at uh... <laughs> my he's lord, the Eddie Lacy diet. Yeah, seriously, for sure. But I mean, there was there was just it was a surprising game. Good for Josh McCown for him to get into a playoff game. He's had a pretty wild career. I mean, yeah. honestly, Josh McCown comes in and doesn't play that bad. As you go, 18 for 24 for 174. That's, I mean, for someone who doesn't get first team reps, and, you know, they said in the game in probably the past three months, that's not terrible. He honestly kept them in it until that DK Metcalf catch at the end. Yeah. I mean, it was a a good showing by him. Like you said, for someone that doesn't get any play time or any burn time, you know, with the starters or anything like that, and he wasn't even really expected to do anything much of the season, to be honest. They just brought him in to just have, a backup there, you know what I mean? You're not you're not thinking, oh, Josh McCown's going to get us over the hump to go to, you know, beat Seattle or anything like that. So, it, Were it, you it, thinking Nick Foles would, though? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think a lot of Philly fans might think that right now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I credit Philly for hanging in there, but, you know, like like we, Drew and I predicted, and I'm sure you had in your head, too, that uh, they just they weren't getting over that Seahawks team. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I I didn't see them beating the Seahawks at all. Um, I'm actually surprised that it was as close as it was. Uh, I thought Seattle would have just taken them to right town. Away. But apparently they still believe in running the ball with ineffective runners in Seattle. So I'm not really sure what the game plan is there, <laughs> seeing that you have Russell Wilson who can throw for 400 yards. Uh, you have Tyler Lockett, who's one of the fastest guys in the game. Um, you have DK Metcalf, who's just an animal. Uh, and then you have you have a tight end, a really good young tight end in Jacob Hollister, mm-hmm. who I believe is underutilized. So it really surprises me that they have so much focus on the rushing game that they don't utilize uh, Russell Wilson more than they do. I mean, he only threw the ball well, 30 times. So it's like, to me, I would have thought that this would have been a big, a game where you want to get up big and then kind of just coast your way to a win. You know what I mean? I mean, 30 attempts is a good good amount. It's not bad. I think that they're going to suffer greatly and really struggle without – I mean, losing Carson was bigger than anyone probably expected. I mean, you play a whole season of football with two, honestly, pretty solid – a really good tandem in your backfield and then just lose them in a blink of an eye. It's, it's going to be very hard to recover for them, and especially the way they played football this year. They've relied so heavily on that run game, and it's allowed Russell to be – how he's been so good this year it's it's gonna be tough for them i agree you guys uh want to make some picks here for this upcoming weekend let's do it all right who wants to uh who wants to go first take it away drewy you want to take it away all right so uh first no, game of slate. Okay. no you go i'm kidding <laughs> okay all right minnesota at san fran um, I think Minnesota played a great game against New Orleans. Um, 
I think that they can 100% hang with San Francisco if they play another game like that. Um, I don't see that happening as much. San Fran has had a great run game this year. Jimmy G has made some plays. Um, and I do think that at home for San Fran, I think they're going to be – they're going to come out on top here, I do. Uh, I'm going to predict a 27-17 to 17 here. Oh, well, 10-point victory. Um, I agree with you. I think Vikings are definitely going to have their handful. I, and honestly, I would argue Vikings have better offense than the 49ers. The Vikings defense is able to show up like they did against that. Cut down through Brees. I, they, they really shouldn't have a problem shutting down Garoppolo, who I really have, don't think he's been that great this year. He's plays. Uh, he's, sorry, he doesn't in my opinion, it's if they're able to stop that or slow down that run game of the 49ers, I think the Vikings have a legitimate shot. Uh, we go 23-21 49ers. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this might be a shock, but I'm going to go with the Vikings. Um, mm-hmm. I think upset, that, upset alert. Yeah, I think that – so the, I think the 49ers get a lot of credit – for things that they do well, but they don't get as much criticism for the things that they don't do as well. So I think when they play high-level teams like a Seattle or like a New Orleans or Baltimore, things like that, they play at a really high level and they match their their opponent's energy. When they play these lesser opponents, they tend to, to take them for granted. And uh, as you can see, I think it was the Cardinals game this year that they went into uh, Arizona and lost against the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, so I feel like this could be one of those games where there's so much hype about being the number one seed um, and having home field advantage. You know, finally the 49ers back uh, after the Kaepernick era and we're back in the playoffs and, you know, we're here to stay. And I really think the win over New Orleans is going to do big things for the Vikings. Uh, I feel that... I don't know. There's just something that tells me that Kirk Cousins is going to feel some type of encouragement and and uh, just adrenaline from that win, and it's going to carry over into this into this game. So I'm going to pick the Vikings. I'm going to say 24-21 Minnesota. Okay. Well, um, I think the the Cousins point there is is a bold one. I mean, Kirk Cousins bad in prime. Um, I think there was what was the record, Drew? It was like three and twenty something against teams with a with a ten plus ones in the season. Yes, he is three and twenty six overall versus teams with ten wins in the season, and then he's that zero is, and 10, 0 and ten with the Vikings, and that was including the playoffs. That is horrific, and honestly, he didn't really have that great of a game against the Saints. Nineteen for thirty one for two forty and a touchdown. And the touchdown coming in overtime didn't even throw a touchdown in regulation. Yep. Well, so yeah, I, 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 I there's just something about up. this game. No, I, I don't think he showed up. I just think that um, I think some of some some wins are bigger than other wins. If that makes sense. Fair enough. I agree. So, I think that this this win over New Orleans was a huge. Um, boost of, of confidence for the entire team and for Kirk Cousins um, 
because nobody really gave him a chance to beat. The I know, but if, if you look, if you looked all over the blogs and all over the you know the, the sports media outlets, everyone was taking the Saints by at least ten points. Unless you so, were right here tuning in, listening to me, because I knew <laughs> that this wasn't going to be that type of game. So maybe we have some insight that, that you know, we should you, we should start listening to. You did still pick the Saints. I did because I'm a homer. Um, but before I move on to my next pick here, I had said this to you, Richard, before. Um, only, I, I think, two times in the last 20 years or something that the number three seed has made it to the Super Bowl, which is – which was incredible. really surprising to hear for me because, I mean, it's not like the three seed is any joke. No, I mean, uh, usually you lose three games, you're not going to be a three seed, so. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, Tennessee at Baltimore. Uh, like we said, I think that this game, I mean, I know Baltimore led the league in scoring this year. But with both of them liking to play that same style of offense, um, I think this one is actually going to be pretty low scoring. Um, and I actually do think it's going to be pretty close. I think Tennessee is going to hang with them. Um, I'm going to go 20 to 16 Baltimore. I like it. Um, I agree. They, it's, it's so hard to tell. Like this Titans team, I didn't think I, – I thought they would beat the Patriots. I thought it would be a little, more, little bit more uh, offensive showing from the Titans, especially since, since Tannehill's came in. This is the third – Third highest scoring offense in football. I think they get back to that a little bit more this week. A um, little bit of a better offensive showing. I just don't think they can match the Ravens. They're too hard to stop. There's too many ways the Ravens can score. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go 27-20 Ravens. Yeah. So this game, um, I think. I agree with both of you. I think it's going to be closer than what people might think. Uh, I think a lot of people are underestimating the Titans and and what Derrick Henry can actually do. Uh, I think Mike Rabel is a very good coach um, who, bringing it back to the past game, showed that he can also have some of those Jedi mind tricks that we talked about (laughs) with Belichick uh, and, you know, running down the clock and accepting the penalties and things like that. So he is a good game manager and understanding how the, the rules work of the game. Um, but I don't think they have enough to beat Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore, to me, is just too good on both sides of the ball. Baltimore is the fourth-ranked rushing defense this year. Um, now, saying it is it is Derrick Henry who led the league in rushing, but I don't think it's going to be the same cakewalk like you saw with the Patriots. And if that's all that, that, that Tennessee can do, I don't see them scoring a lot of points. Derrick Henry might no. get over 100 yards, but I don't see them getting past, uh, you know, getting deep in Baltimore territory if it's just um, Derrick Henry running the ball. So I think that this will be more of a lopsided game. I think the Tennessee will score about 14 points, and I think Baltimore will probably get up around 28 to 31. So 31 to 14. Oh, wow. You make a good point there, too, about um... – just the kind of style of play, too, because if Baltimore kind of jumps out to that early lead and gets some points up on the board, Tennessee's not going to have that leeway to be able to run the ball at will. So, um, well, like the jump Ravens, right here for I feel like the Ravens are really one of the few teams in the NFL who could put up 14 points in four minutes. Like, yeah, there's yeah. not many teams in the NFL who could really do that, and the Ravens can really. 
exactly. I mean, between pick sixes and just how fast they could do a three and out and, and get a deep threat going. I mean, they, they can really score quick. So, I agree. Uh, Houston, Kansas City. Um, I mean, I picked Kansas City here to run to the Super Bowl, so I'm going to have to roll with them. Uh, I think their offense is so explosive. And, uh, I mean, Houston Houston gives up big plays. Uh, so I feel like with Tyree Kill, Kelsey, Damian Williams kind of getting back on track. Um, and with the upgrade, I mean, their defense has definitely picked it up. Um, so I, I think Kansas City actually wins this one pretty handily in Arrowhead. It's such a tough place to play. Um, I think Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson. I think he makes some plays. Um, but I also think he forces a couple of trying to make some incredible plays. So I'm actually going to take Kansas City here 30-17. to 30-17, yeah. Um, Kansas City's a 10-point favorite here. Um, I absolutely agree with that. I think Kansas City – is the best team in the AFC. I I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. If he if he didn't get hurt and have that knee injury this year, I I he he could have matched what he did last year. He's incredible talent. Um, like you said, playing an Arrowhead is just so difficult. Not many teams go there to play off and win. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like thirty to thirty to fourteen. Thirty to fourteen Chiefs. Okay, yeah, I think it's a clean sweep. Uh, I I'm gonna choose the Chiefs to win this game. Uh, I I really do like Deshaun Watson. Uh, as you guys probably remember, I drafted him number one in uh, <laughs> our league, uh, uh, league a couple first years back. Round. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously love the guy, um, but I just don't think he's gonna have enough to get it done. Uh, the Chiefs have gradually gotten better on defense as the year has gone on. Uh, they've gotten a lot healthier. Um, I believe they got Chris Jones back not too long ago, and he's a really good outside pass rusher. Um, uh, so I just I don't think they they have enough to get to get past the the Chiefs and Mahomes. I think he's going to have a fire lit under him uh, at, after knowing that the Patriots aren't going to be there. He's not going to have to deal with them, and having such a disappointing loss last year to them. I think he's going to be even more motivated to know that this is my time. This is my era. Uh, and it's time for me to start, you know, racking up the rings. Um, besides, I would say Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, there's no other arm talent that even comes close uh, to Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. Uh, so I think the Chiefs will, will, will pretty much blow them out. Um, so I would say 31-7. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, that is Carlos. At least you learned from your mistake. I mean, you took Deshaun Watson first <laughs> round, and then this year you took Lamar like last round, and that I mean, talk about paying <laughs> off there. Yeah, exactly. I, it, I've learned from my mistakes. You know, I, I, I don't want to continue to make the same bad mistakes. Uh, and then I think <laughs> I hate this game probably the most. Um, I, I don't think. Either one of these teams are going to the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I think whoever wins that Minnesota-San Fran game is going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, Green Bay, last week of the season, in their fight to get that by, they're playing a third-string quarterback in Detroit and almost lose that game. And prob- probably they should have lost yeah. the game. Um, Seattle, right now, without their running game clicking, they just don't look like the same team. 
Um, I mean, people were kind of uh, heavily. I mean, I'm not going to say I think that Seattle was a heavy favorite last week, but I said they were. Uh, I mean, and they made it close against Josh McCown. Um, I think I'm going to pick Green Bay here um, just because of weapons. Uh, I mean, with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, uh, and these other guys picking it up on the outside for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I do like their defense somewhat, um, but I think that they can hold the test here against Seattle. So I'm going to pick Green Bay. I think it's going to be pretty close. Um, I'm going to go 23-20 Green Bay. All right. Um, you know, it's not – I as you two know, I'm not huge on Aaron Rodgers. I do think this game is honestly one of the biggest games of Aaron Rodgers' career. You know, not the biggest, but this is a very big game for Green Bay. They they haven't been good in a little bit. And, you know, Drew Brees has – not sorry, Aaron Rodgers absolutely has something to prove here. Um, a little bit under pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure in this game. Um, and I think if you're able to, you know, wrap up Aaron Jones, I think this, this Green Bay team is really honestly not that good. Aaron Jones had 16 touchdowns this year. It's pretty good, man. If you're able, if you're able to slow him down, I actually think Seattle can get this game done. I don't, I don't foresee them being able to slow down. So I'm gonna go. Excuse me, I'm gonna go 24-7 here, Seattle. Wow. I, wow. I I don't think it's yeah. I don't love this Green Bay team, man. I, really I thought you were that. swinging the other way. If you can slow down their run game. No, no. Um, I really don't think this Green Bay team deserves to be number two. I think they've benefited from a pretty weak schedule. So, yeah, that's my pick. Okay. I mean, 26 touchdowns all year from Rodgers. It's not not great. It's not bad, but it's not great. He definitely wasn't the Aaron Rodgers that everyone's used to, uh, you know, of years past. You could see it in in the games. He just wasn't – it it felt like he wasn't commanding the field the same way that he used to. Whenever I watched the Packers game, it just seemed like he was kind of just going through the motions and kind of, kind yeah, of. Yeah, let's just we should blame the out, coach. You know? <laughs> yeah, let's let's get another guy in there, right? Yeah. Um, so I I think I'm gonna pick Seattle as well, um, but I only pick Seattle is because I don't really trust Green Bay to win the big game. I I. Absolutely. So I think Aaron I think that a little bit. their time where, you know, his window to actually be great and all of that and, and take advantage of the skill sets around him has passed. I think that I personally think Aaron Rodgers is a very overrated quarterback. I know that he can make a lot of the throws that a lot of other quarterbacks can't make, but he doesn't have that ability to win the huge games when you really need them. No way. I think that he was surrounded by a lot of great talent that a lot of people don't talk about because they're up in Green Bay and nobody really gets to see them that much uh, unless they're on, you know, playing Dallas and on TV every week. Um, so, <laughs> but it just – I don't see Aaron Rodgers getting it done. Uh, I trust in Russell Wilson much more than I trust in uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to say that Seattle wins it in a close one, uh, 21-17. Very well said. Very well said. All right. So with um with the football recap here, um and our predictions for the game, uh why don't we jump in? We'll do a little bit of basketball here in our little bit of remaining time. Sure. Yeah. 
So do you want to jump right into Celtics? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much what? you want to start off with the power. You got the power rankings here? Power rankings, yes. Let me so it's shown the the Celtics have been atop of the power rankings, uh, or near the top of the power rankings for for quite a bit of time now. Uh, you know, throughout the whole season. They've yeah, they've pretty much been pretty in the top season. Uh, what, top five or top six, something like that. Um, yeah, top five. So they, they dropped top down just a little bit when Gordon Gordon Hayward went out and they lost a couple of back-to-back games. But they they rebounded really well, and they're playing a style of basketball that is really encouraging to see. And it's actually surprising to me that they're not getting more talk around, you know, around the country and all these and maybe other... they jumped up to two. Yeah, but, the, yeah, but, they two, jumped but up just to two. from jumping up to two, you still don't see people actually taking them seriously and talking about, you know, yeah. the Celtics are a legitimate team. Could have all, you hear, all you hear is they need a big, you know, who, how are they going to yeah. guard Embiid? How are they going to guard Giannis? And, um, and to be honest, we, we don't – the type of defense that the Celtics play – uh, you don't really need a big man to, you know, clog the paint, right? There isn't really nope. a lot of I, I don't... paint-dominated play, dominating players in the league now besides, what, Anthony Davis, uh, Joel Embiid. I wouldn't even say Giannis because yep. Giannis doesn't really go into the paint. He's more head-down drive to the paint. So I think the, the biggest reason the Celtics need a big is just getting – out-rebounded. I mean, it's been a problem for years yep. now. and uh, I agree that the style of defense and offense that they play, they're not going to utilize that guy down in the paint ton, but just honestly losing offensive rebounds and just being out-rebounded is, is really the only flaw. With it is team. a big thing, but they're also uh, – they've had a little bit of a streaky play. I mean, let's, let's look at them right now, right? They're playing – this, this week, they're playing – uh, they're playing th- four teams, and three of them rank in the bottom five of the league, and they've lost to two of them already this week with their loss tonight to San Antonio. I mean, yep. those those are games right there that you need. You need those games. I mean, their offensive uh, rating. I mean, they're sixth in the league. Their defensive rating. They're third in the league. So I mean, they're they're consistent. But what are they putting out on every? And they're well yeah, of course, I mean, of course they are. But what are they putting out on every night basis? If Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are putting up 25, I mean, this team's – their offense is just slow. I know they've missed Kemba. He's back tonight, though, and, I mean, they still dropped a game to San Antonio. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I need to see more from from Brown and Tatum, and that's saying that's saying a lot because Tatum, Tatum is having, having a really good year, and Brown is having probably one of his best years as a, as a pro – but absolutely, but I think the I think the problem with the consistency is just I I think that they need to continue to build their bodies. Uh, when you see Tatum go down in the paint and try and back somebody down, he doesn't look very confident in in being able to use power and to power through. And I think he that's evident. In, yes, and I think it's evident also when you see him take the ball to the rack, he misses so many free throws that it's actually unworldly how many free throws, not free throws, layups he misses. Um, and they're just easy, you know, you know, run-of-the-mill layups, and he'll just, he'll just miss them. So it's kind of easy to, 
to think about um, someone with that much talent not being able to finish at the hoop. And I think it has to do with him focusing and hitting the gym room and actually being able to finish after contact. Absolutely. I love that. Um, you know, we are running out of time here pretty soon. Um, do you guys want to pick who do you think is going to be the uh, – who's going to win the NBA championship this year? Wow, we're going to early pick here. Uh, That's a little bold prediction. Okay, bold predictions. All right. I'll let you go, Drew. Uh, I'll take Milwaukee. Uh, I know Milwaukee that, I know that well. seems like such an easy pick. But, I mean, these last couple of years, they kind of couldn't get over that little hum to get to the big game. Um, I think Giannis, with the way he's actually shooting the ball now, he's looking better from beyond the arc. And uh, that can just improve over the year. I mean, if that man just knocked down shots pretty consistently, he's going to be absolutely just impossible to guard. They play great defense. I mean, they're the best defensive team in the league. They're the third best offense in the league right now, and they play at the fastest pace in the league. So they're literally leading in pretty much any stat that you want to look at to consider a team saying, okay, they're elite. So I I just don't know. I just don't know if – anybody's going to top them this year. All right, Carlos, what do you got? Uh, For me, it's really hard for me to not say the Los Angeles Clippers. Wow. Really? I think, I think that they, the talent that they have and not just Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think the overall talent that they have on their roster is going to be really tough to beat once the playoffs come. They have guys who compete. I mean, they yeah, have absolutely. guys that compete. They have guys that can switch and guard multiple positions. They can guard one through five, pretty much one through five. So it's it's going to be really tough for teams to get by them. But they are in a stacked Western Conference and have to get by LeBron and AD and you know James Harden, Russell Westbrook, all those guys. So it's going to be tough. But my pick is going to be uh, yeah the Clippers. Um, that's a great pick. I, you know, like you said, they they can compete with anyone, and they got Doc Rivers. Obviously, already won won a championship, so he's got some experience in the playoffs and knows how to get a team over the hump. So I like that pick. Um, for me, it's really it's really hard. I I think the I think the Lakers are going to take it this year. I think they've been under drought for a while for the, this Lakers organization. AD and LeBron, when they're both playing really good, it's 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 fun to watch. They're incredible, and I'm a, I'm honestly not a LeBron lover. Okay. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody for you know coming and listening to our podcast. We really appreciate all the support you guys have been giving us on social media. Uh, we will be doing this on a weekly basis. Uh, we will be substituting in and out topics about. Uh, craft beers and gaming uh, as well as all types of sports. So if there's anything that you guys are interested in and you would like us to, you know, maybe take a look at, you know, follow us on social media, give us an ad, uh, shoot us a a DM to one of our uh, inboxes and just let us know. Um, But with that, I'll leave it to my, uh, my co-host to say any few words that they have. If not, you know, we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, No, I just appreciate Like Carlos said, I appreciate everyone you know, subscribing and listen to the podcast. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback. So, you know, we want to hear from you guys and what you think. Yep. Thanks again, guys. Uh, you know, put us out for everybody, you know, that you think would uh, enjoy listening to a sport podcast here. Uh, and definitely feel free. 
let us know some things that you guys want to hear about uh, and some things that you don't. Um, so thanks again, guys. This is uh, episode two of Drink, Play, Score.